I have to say, uh, love that last song. I just the, the, the lyric of it sounds like a, a disciple sort of lyric, God, right? I mean, just saying, God, where you go, the way you live, the way you pray, the, what you do, we want to imitate. We want to follow. We want to be yours. And that's, that's kind of what we've been talking about here the last couple weeks. Well, I am so glad to see you guys this morning. Glad you joined us. We are on week two of the series that we've uh, been doing here uh, at, at Ignite called Simple Discipleship. And uh, the series is really meant to just just to get us back to the heart of what it means to actually be a disciple or a follower of Jesus and uh, how it is that we're supposed to live that out in our lives and the mission that we are called to live out with our lives uh, after we after we become disciples. Seems like uh, so often. The reason that we say it's simple is because it seems like so often we make things complicated. We get things murky. Things kind of lose clarity for us. And I just think, man, this is the case. Certainly uh, uh, when we think of being a disciple and we think of being a follower of Jesus in our country, it seems like we've made it all kinds of things, right? We've made it all kinds. I think probably what comes to, to mind for, for many Americans when we think of church or what God wants for us is we've made it into attending an event, right? We've made it, we've said, well, what does God want for you? Well, he wants you to, to show up to church sometimes on Sunday, go to, go to a big church where there's a great show and the, the, the excellence value is super high and those are all good things, right? I'm not complaining, but, but like all, we kind of go, we show up sometimes, we, we kind of clock in and clock out, right? We sit sit our butts in the pew for however long, hour, hour and a half, whatever. We walk out and that's it, right? That's, that's what it looks like to live as a disciple. Or sometimes we, we take it further. Sometimes it's a little bit more of a legalistic sort of ritual. We're like, well, God wants us to know him. And so we, we which is true, right? But and so we focus on memorizing things and believing the right things. And we've got, you know, if we could take a multiple choice test, we would get 100% on all the, we know the theology, we know the Bible verses, we know the whatever, and so we, we kind of go check, 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 we've memorized, we've done these kinds of things. Like I mentioned last week, though, the, the problem with this, these, these are good things, that, that's a part of our, our journey, but if we make it all about that, the problem is, I know people that have entire books of the Bible memorized, but aren't living as disciples, right? It's not, it can't just be a head thing, but that's what we've made it sometimes. Or sometimes uh, we've made it all kinds of things. We, sometimes we've made it uh, about doing the right things and, and check, check boxing, like making sure the outward appearance looks really good and so we can kind of elevate ourselves and be a little superior and we can be up here and say, well, I'm glad I don't live like that, like those people, because I do this and I do that. It's, it's, it's the Pharisees in the Bible, right? The religious leaders who, who are like, well, I'm so glad I'm not like like those pond scum sucking lowlifes over there because I'm better than, I'm religious, I'm churchy, I'm better, right? Now we would never say that, but sometimes that's what religion, that's what Christianity becomes in our country. If you don't believe me, go on Facebook sometime, right? You'll see people that espouse, I'm a Christ follower, and they are blasting everybody else around them because they're like, man, I'm better than you. If you were just like me, then everything would be great. You just need to check the boxes and believe the right things and follow the right rules. You need to vote a certain way, right? That, that never happens in our Or whatever. And then you'd be a really good Christian. Then you'd be a disciple. Then you'd be something. Then Jesus would be pleased with you. The problem is that these things don't follow at all, right? The picture that is described for us but from the lips of Jesus of what it looks like to actually follow him, what it looks like to actually be a disciple. And so we are taking a few weeks, it's just a short series, three, four weeks, and we are focusing in on uh, what's known as the Great Commission. 
it is some of the last words of Jesus to his followers. And he, it's sort of like his, we, we, I joked around and gave a bunch of illustrations last week of like famous last words. These are his famous last words, but it's, it, it shows what's important to him. It shows what matters. It shows the mission and the heart of, of what he's leaving behind to his followers. Say, this is how you are to live. This is the mission you are to live out. What, you know, it's basically his way of saying, don't forget this. If you only remember one thing, get this and live it out with passion for the rest of your lives. And they did. So we're, we're going to read through this every week. I told you last week, uh, I hope by the time we get to the end of this, I hope all of us, 100% of us, have it memorized. That's good. But we don't want to just have it memorized, right? I hope even more than that, that you will put it into practice and that you will begin to see your life and your world through a different lens and start actually living our lives, number one, as disciples, if you're not already. And number two, that you're going to pour out your time and energy and your life, wherever it is that you go, that you're going to use your one and only life to help make other followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, because that is the mission. If you're a Christ follower, if you are a disciple, that is the mission, the one mission that he has given to you and set in your lap and said, man, live this out. Let's read it together. Uh, Matthew 28, it's 18 through 20, again, known as the Great Commission. It says, then Jesus came to his followers, to his disciples, the 12, and some others probably, but it says, and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the famous last words of Jesus, the standing orders, so to speak, that Jesus left behind for his followers. How, how are you to live in my absence? You know, what's the mission that you're to carry on? Jesus makes it real clear. He tells his followers, and likewise, he tells us as Jesus' followers, he's like, here's how you're to live. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of everybody in every nation, anybody that you can. Make followers or disciples of Jesus Christ. Baptize them, which we're going we're gonna to actually do here in a couple weeks, which will be awesome. But uh, that's, that's super fun. But then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, he says, I'll be with you always. That's, that's those couple sentences. He's like, live that out. Don't miss that. This, these words, this call of Jesus, this great commission that he gives his followers, so impacted his followers the church exploded, did it not? Now, there's lots of reasons. The Holy Spirit came on them, right, in power, but, but he empowered them to live out the mission of Jesus, right? It's, it's the same. It's all one and the same. But he empowered them, sent them out on this mission, and these disciples lived the rest of their lives to this end. This church when Je that Jesus left behind was uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 people. By the end, well, by the middle of the second century, I'll put it that way, there were likely hundreds of thousands of disciples, of Jesus followers throughout the world. Went from 120 to this. You can see it exp it's exponential growth. These, dis these disciples, the, the 12 and the 72 and the 120, actually lived this stuff out, right? It wasn't just that, that uh, Jesus said it and they thought, oh, that's good. Like, oh, that's, that's deep. That's really profound. Let's think about that more. You know, they actually did it. These people lived out the rest of their lives to that end. I was, I was reading this week some... Um, uh, I, I'm gonna blink on his name. It starts with an I. Uh, but there's a there's a writer. Uh, 
No, 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 sorry. Yeah, thanks for the help. I need help, clearly. Uh, Ignatius of Antioch is his name, but there's writings you can read from him. He died, he was martyred about 120 uh, AD, and it's crazy. So you can read about him, you can read about his life and the way he's taken the gospel and making disciples. The interesting thing, I think, he's a direct disciple of John. As in, have you read the, have you seen, there's a book of the Bible, right, named John? Like, he wrote that, right? I mean, it's, a, it's a crazy, like the disciple that Jesus loved. So Jesus' disciple, John, of course, made disciples. One of them was Ignatius, who, of course, made disciples, right? Who made disciples? Who made disciples? Who made disciples? And that's the church exploding. It wasn't just John, right? It was everybody. They recognized this is the call and the mission that Jesus has entrusted to us. And so they were living it out with passion even though it cost many of them their lives. Didn't matter. They're like the resurrected Jesus, right? The one who holds all power and authority, he says. All authority is mine, Jesus says. And he's like, because of that, therefore, he says to his followers, go in my power with my presence and make disciples of all nations. And they did. It's crazy. I mean, can you turn the world up? Transformed the world. We are here today. Those of us that are Christ followers, we are in the kingdom because they actually live this stuff out. Because they followed it. And, 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 and likewise, God has specifically put you in this place and in your neighborhood and in your workplace. And he has given you a, a call. He's given you a command, but a commission, right? He's commissioned you. He's given you a mission to live for. He says, I have put you there for a reason, to make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples. See where we're going? You are called to be a disciple, but you're also called to be a disciple maker. It's the mission. It, and when we, start, when we start getting that, it changes the way we see everything, right? You go to the, I went to Starbucks this morning, and I got to talk with somebody about Jesus, right? In the Starbucks drive-thru. Like, I, I was there early. I was the first customer. It's somebody I've had a little relationship with, but it was an opportunity to minister, to help you know, make disciples. And so we're talking about he says he's coming back to church. We'll see. But like, like, you know what I mean? Everything has, you go to Menards. There's opportunities there. God might have something in store for you at Menards, right? You go to the grocery store. You go to Aldi's or Kroger's or whatever. God might, you go to Walmart. God might, I don't, I don't know if God has anything in store for you at Walmart, but, but no, I just, no, I'm kidding. But right, like everything suddenly has purpose. Why? Because the resurrected Christ who lives inside of you wants to use you to change the world to make disciples, to bring people to Jesus, to grow them up and to send them back out on mission. It's what he does. It's the call that is given to us. And the challenge through this series is would you embrace that call? Would you embrace it first by living yourself as a disciple, by saying, yeah, I'm in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. Where you go, I go, right? Where you stay, I'll, where you stay, the way you pray, the way you teach, the, I'm, I'm in. Help me to become like you. But then as well, help me to see the opportunities you're putting around me that I can live my life for, with eternity in mind. Right? This is the only stuff that's going to matter, really, 150, 200 years from now. It's only the, the people are, did they come to know Jesus? Did they, did they see Jesus? Did you have an opportunity to help make disciples? Raise, did they come to know Christ? That's going to be the only thing that matters 200 years from now, 150 years from now. Because we're all going to be dead right at that point. Our, our earthly bodies will be done. It's only our eternities and our souls and whether or not we were in Christ that really matters. 
So we're spending a few weeks on this, kind of digging into different parts of it. Today, I'm going to dig into um, kind of the second part of the discipleship part of this, the second kind of part of the Great Commission. And he, sa he says, yeah, go and make disciples. But then he gives us some qualifiers on that. Go and make disciples. And here's part of what it looks like and what it means uh, to help raise them up to be disciples and make disciples and make disciples. He says, and teach them to, what's that word? Obey. Obey. Everything I have commanded you. Just a quick, if you had to guess, the Greek word for everything, what do you think it means? Everything. He says, teach them to obey everything. Everything I've commanded you. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. As with all of the Great Commission, there's two, there's two different parts to all of this, right? And that's kind of what I've been mentioning, what I've been talking about. There's a personal part of it, right? The implication behind going and making disciples is that I am a disciple of Jesus first, right? And the second part is then to go and make them, right? That's an outward part. The same thing is true with this. The first part is I got to make sure I'm actually doing this, like that I'm learning and growing in obedience to Jesus Christ. I'm learning to obey and to follow and stay in step with the Spirit and in, in, you know, in alignment with His Word and His truth. That I'm letting it transform me. I'm letting God transform me. I'm letting His Word transform me. That I'm becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And then that I'm helping other Christ followers to grow up and be, to live as disciples and helping them, teaching them as well. To obey everything I have commanded you, everything Jesus has commanded us. And so we're kind of going to dig into that a little bit more uh, today. Seems like a no-brainer. You're like, well, yeah. I mean, disciples should obey Jesus, right? If, I had, if, this, is, if this is a multiple-choice question or a true or false, all of us, I think, would get it. How many think that, right, that the disciples of Jesus should actually follow the commands of Jesus? We'd all say, yes, that's, that is the right answer. The problem, though, it, it, it's simple, right? It really is. It's simple discipleship. Jesus says, follow me, and then he says, obey, Right? Kind of obey what I, what I commanded, what I've, what I've told you. And the Holy Spirit's job, partially, is to remind us of what those things that Jesus has, told, has taught and, and to help us live that out and to be transformed. It, it's a no-brainer. But the problem is that I think in America these days, we have separated, we've divorced even Christianity, right? Going to church, even being a disciple, live, you know, whatever, the life that God has. We've divorced that from how we actually live. We've decided kind of, and nobody actually thinks this way probably, but we just ignore and sh we, we've separated obedience from that. We're like, no, no, Christianity is about going to church, being a good person, but I'm going to stay in control of all the ways that I live. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to add in a little Christianity around the edges, a little church and a little whatever. We're going to be good people. It's all going to be good. Right? We've sort of, let me give you some examples. These are some some stats, some things that have been uh, uh, really impactful for me as I was thinking about this. The first one, this happened this year uh, sometime. George Barna did um, a study, has a bunch of research, came back and said, this is uh, crazy. But he said, here's what the, the data suggests. 47% of millennials, he said, uh, people, and these are just, not just millennials in general, but millennials that would identify themselves as practicing Christians and church attenders, right? Faith is a big deal to them. 47% of millennials say it's wrong to share your faith with somebody else in hopes that they will become a Christ follower. Think about that. 40, almost half 
of church-going millennials, people that say that they identify themselves as Christ followers, would say it's wrong to carry out the Great Commission, right? How do you reconcile that? We're saying we're Christ followers. We're saying we are followers of Jesus, but the, the standing orders, the Great Commission, the last kind of big thing that he left for the church said, go and make disciples of all nations. And, and 50% of millennials are sitting back going, yeah, I don't think, we, I don't think we're going to just ignore that part. We're going to push that to the side. That makes us uncomfortable. We're not 100% sure about this, so we're just going to ignore that part. How can that be? You see what I'm saying? When we, how can we divorce obedience to Jesus from being a Jesus follower? That's what it means, right? To be a disciple means to follow. Where you go, I go. What you say, I believe and I live, right? This is the, this is the life of a disciple. But we've separated them. And we could go on and on, right? CNN did, a couple years ago, did a, a study on people that were, Evangelicals or conservative Christians, kind of practicing Christians between uh, ages of 18 and 29 uh, that were single. And they said, you know what they found? 80%, 80 80% of churchgoers, Christians, evangelicals, whatever you want to say in that age group was sexually active before marriage. 80%. And I think, how can that be when the one that we follow says, you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. And then he goes on to say, if your right eye causes you to sin, what does he say? Pluck it out. That's how significant, how, that's how seriously Jesus takes sexual sin. It's like, no, no, no. The, the marriage bed should be kept pure. This is a huge deal, right? He's like, how... You're a temple for the Holy Spirit. Honor God with your body. How can it be that we're 80% of us are saying, yeah, but when it comes to sex, I'm not really going to obey. That's going to go over here, and I'm just going to, again, I'm going to call myself a Christ follower. I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm going to live however I want. We could go on and on. Certainly, divorce is one of those areas. Gossip Anger, men, can we just, anger is one of these, the Bible talks a lot about it. Oh yeah, but that's, they, they don't know, my wife's so annoying, or my kids are driving me crazy, or that's all, we, we're just like, no, we're going to divorce that. It doesn't matter, I can live however I want. Homosexuality, forgiveness, don't even get me started, right? Yes, turn the other cheek, or yeah, it, we, we have to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do that, but they, they've really hurt me, they've really We've divorced these two things, generosity, giving, money, right? I, I read this week, this is a crazy one. Uh, um, the average, okay, so <laughs> a little background, like Old Testament picture. Uh, the Bible clearly teaches that the way uh, we are to handle and approach our, our finances is by tithing, right? T tithe literally means 10%, comes from a Hebrew word. It means 10, right, 10th. So 10% of our income, we bring it, we give it back to God, that kind of a thing. The New Testament, Jesus affirms that, but then he takes it further, as he always does, right? He, says, he, he has this habit of saying, you've heard it said or it's been taught this, but let me tell you, boom, right? And he goes on and says, basically, no, it's not just 10%. I want control of all of you, right? I want, I want you to be radically generous. I want you to care for the poor. I want you to... Bring, bring it all right before me and let me teach you and show you how to live your life with that. But in the church kind of world, it's kind of accepted like 10% is sort of the, the, the starting point of us learning to be generous people. That's one of those things. And 
I'm, this isn't a shakedown. This is, I'm, I'm just, again, just trying to illustrate the point. Statistically, in the church, even in conservative Bible-teaching churches, the, the average is 2.5% is what, what uh, most people would give. 2.5%, just, just for perspective, because I know how we think, all of us. I mean, I, we wrestle with this. But, yeah, but you don't know how many bills I have. <laughs> you don't know what, I mean, I got this debt I'm trying to, I got all this stuff. I can't afford to do this kind of stuff. During the Great Depression, the average was 3.5%. Interesting. We, we think, well, it's an income issue. It's, a, it's an, if I made more, then, then I could be generous. Then I could, you know, statistically, actually, for people that make $75,000 and more, which, I, you know, would be probably more than quite a few of us in here, uh, they actually give less statistically. 1% of people that make $75,000 and more, 1% of them would actually bring a tithe, would bring a 10% of their income back to God, first fruits back to God. It's not an income issue. It's that we've just divorced this kind of stuff. No, no, no. Yeah, we know Jesus talked a lot about money. And he said, where your, your treasure is, there your heart's going to follow. We know all this kind of stuff. But we've divorced it. And said, yeah, but that's an area that you don't really expect me to follow that. Do you? I'm, I'm a church. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm just gonna, but no, we've divorced obedience from how we live our lives as disciples. We've kind of developed this sort of pseudo form of Christianity, which, is, which consists of going to church occasionally. Yeah, we throw a few bucks in the plate. We, you know, we try to be a good person and a loving person you know, when we can, that kind of stuff. But we're going to live however we want. And obviously, we can choose to do that. We, all of us, right? Uh, we, we can all choose to do that at times. And yet, can I just say humbly, because I think all of us, uh, screw this up sometimes, right? This isn't a legalistic kind of thing, and I'll get to that in a bit, but can I just say, if that's our picture of, of Christianity, if that's the way we live our lives, we might, in fact, be a good churchgoer. We might, in fact, be a good Christian, but we're missing out on the life of a disciple that Jesus calls us to. Because part of the gig here, right, is he says, here's what a disciple looks like. Teach them to all that I have commanded you. Teach them to, what's the word? Obey. Obey. Put it into practice in our lives. Can I stop for a second to say, how are you doing on that? How are we doing? How are we living? Would you say that you and I, would you say that you are living your life as a disciple of Jesus, learning as we learn what he says, what he commands, that we are learning to, step by step, learning to obey. Put it into practice. And as he points out something else, are we learning to put it into practice? As he points out something else, as he speaks, as he guides, are we learning to put it into practice? Are we learning and becoming obedient disciples of Jesus Christ? Or am I still at the wheel? Or are you still calling the shots and saying, no, 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 I, I'm not really going to obey that. I'm not going to really do that. That's radical. That's crazy. Who would do that? I'm not really going to follow and obey his instructions. That is a question worth pondering, friends. That's a question that each one of us needs to wrestle with because the call to follow Jesus, the call to be, it's radical, isn't it? It's, it's jaw-dropping sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. You're like, this is crazy-making. Who would do this? And yet it's the call of Jesus, and our call as followers of, of Jesus, as disciples, is to follow and obey. 
I remember, let me give you some illustrations. Sometimes it's hard, though. I mean, I get it, right? So, I mean, we talk about it. Sometimes it is super hard. Sometimes there's internal battles that we have of, like, are we really going to obey or not? Uh, give you, and, and I'm not, this is just a, a different example, but I can remember uh, when I, we moved to Wisconsin, uh, we planted a church up in northeast Wisconsin, and I got a job working as uh, a part-time firefighter up there. <laughs> it, uh, it was a way to kind of meet uh, a bunch of the guys, kind of the, the core people of the city and kind of serve our community and some of that kind of stuff. And it was, there's cool parts and fun parts. I mean, training is a hoot. You know, you kind of get to learn 20 different ways to break into people's houses. You get cool cameras that can look through walls and stuff. And you're like, this is awesome. You get the gear, you learn, you have to do coursework and all this kind of stuff. And it's cool. You're learning about all kinds of stuff and stuff about the fire. And they tell you about the suits and you learn how to put on your mask and your coat and your boots and all this kind of stuff and your hood so you don't get burnt and all that. And they tell you, oh yeah, this stuff is fireproof. It can withstand all kinds of stuff. And you can walk into burning buildings. You're like, this is is awesome. You, know, you get to saw through roofs sometimes. There's some really cool stuff. And then the training is done and the practicum part starts to kick in, right? And they're like, okay, uh, cool. Now we're going to put you in a live fire exercise where they go and they intentionally set the place on fire. They stoke it up really good and they send you in. And I can still remember what that was like the first time, right? I mean, like, you're like, cool. I mean, you, we've learned, we've studied. I know in my head, I know this stuff will protect me from fire. I know how to do the, you know, how to use the nozzle and how to knock down a fire. We've practiced this in controlled settings. But this is a different deal. Like, this is, the house is fully engulfed. It is hundreds, if not thousands of degrees already by the time they, they set us free. And they send me in first. <laughs> and I can't remember, you get to the door, you knock open the door, I mean, like, whatever. You're sit sitting outside, they charge the line, so it's you. And, and all of a sudden, I start doing the checklist and thinking, I mean, it is black. If you guys have ever seen Backdraft or anything like that, fiction. Like, you can't see in a fire. It is blacker than black. You can't see your hand for your face. You can't see anything. You see the flames a little bit, right? But, like, you get in rooms, there's so much smoke. It's pouring out. And I, just before I go in, I'm, I'm going through the checklist going, okay, hundreds of degrees. I can't see anything. If my gear doesn't work, I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> I'm going to. This is, I'm going to get burnt. It's going to be bad. What if something happens? Whatever else. And there's this moment, I'm outside the door, I freeze, and I'm thinking, am I going to actually go in there, or am I going to stop with just words, stop with just learning? And I kind of panicked a little bit there until I felt the hand uh, of, of somebody behind me, it was the captain uh, that was in charge of my, my team, and put his hand on me and said, trust the training, I'm with you all the way, let's go. And with that, that was enough, right? That was enough, I was like, okay, so, you know, charged in, it was fine. I did my share of praying that day, right? You're going in and you're like, oh God, please have mercy. But I can remember there's several moments like the moments where it gives you pause and you have to stop and think, am I going to actually do this or am I just going to stop with believing it? Do you mean like up here? Am I going to stop with just, you know, writing it down and thinking, oh, that's good. I'm glad that works. Or am I going to put it into practice? Same thing's true with being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus, right? He doesn't, he doesn't let us off the hook with just, you know, believe the right things, take this multiple choice test and just whatever. No, he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And then obey. Like keep, keep following, right? Take the next step. And it's a totally different. When we, when we have to put our faith into practice, it's a totally different deal. 
I use the, the, the financial example a little bit. It's one thing to say, oh, yes, the Bible says, and I believe that it's better to give than receive. <laughs> oh, yeah, I believe that. Especially at Christmas, we're all like, oh, yeah, sign me up. Really? <laughs> like, okay, so God starts nudging you and saying, okay, I want you to give this away, or I want you to give, and that's when it all of a sudden is like, oh, we're deer in the headlights, we're like, I'm not sure I really believe that, like, that's scary, that's crazy, who would do that? Who would do that? But that's the life of a disciple, right? One step at a time. I think I, I've shared this before, uh, but I love the example, I think it's Francis Chan, I can't remember, it could be couple other people too, but um, ran across this a year or two, but he gives the example and said, man, can you imagine if I, if I said to my daughter and told her, your room is a mess. Would you go in and clean your room? He's like, can you imagine what it would be like if she stepped back and sort of said, oh, wow, dad, that's, that's really, that's, that's, that's profound. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm going to write that down in my journal <laughs> kind of thing. She said, oh, that's, she's, in fact, I'm going to go back to my room right now. I'm going to do a little word study on what it actually means to clean my room so that I have a crystal clear picture on, on what that looks. Oh, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, I, a little later, I'm going to call some of my friends together. We're going to come over. We're going to have a little group, and we're going to talk all about, like, what it might look like to clean our rooms if we ever decide that, you know, that's a thing. That is, he's like, as a dad, what would you do? Are you out of your mind? I don't, you don't need a word study, right? You don't need to have your little group. Those are good things and you might have great fellowship, but you don't need, what you need to do is clean your room, right? What you need to do is obey. Just go do it. If you, what you don't understand and have perfected about cleaning your room, you can probably figure out by doing it, right? Jump in there and obey. We laugh. But do, what do we do as Christ followers? Oh, Jesus, the stuff in the, in the you know, in the, uh, uh, in Matthew 5, 6, 7, the stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. And all that. Oh, man, that's, that's good. That's deep. The way you talk about forgiveness, mm. the way you talk about not, not getting angry and that's all. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really good. Let's talk about that as a group. Then we'll sing Kumbaya at the end. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Jesus is standing back going, man, I've given you these words. I've given you this truth. I've put the Holy Spirit in you to empower you and remind you of what I have said. So that what? Obey. You can obey. obey. It's not meant just for information. If we're reading this just for information, you're doing it wrong. Because disciples of Jesus are transformed by his word again and again. They don't stop with just knowing. They learn. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes we stand there and we freeze and we're like, I don't know, Jesus, this is hard. But we wrestle through it and we are learning to as he calls, as he reminds us of his truth, as he commands us, that we obey. They're learning. Are they doing it perfectly? Can, can we get a no in the room, right? Are they doing it perfectly? No. No. But are they learning to step-by-step step obey? It's, it's, it's the walk of faith. It's the walk of a disciple. Jesus calls, and we obey. And, and, and as soon as we get comfortable with one, he'll, he'll call us to a bigger next step. He does that. Why? Because he's constantly calling us into the realm of faith. 
because that's where the good stuff is. So he can show us his power. He can show us the life that we're born for. It's the good stuff. Mm-mm-mm. All right, well, we should uh, keep going here. Um, I will just, okay, probably need to do this, and then we're going to get to some application here in a minute. But I will mention, anytime I start talking about obedience, it's such a weird topic to preach on. I shared this with our, our team that met for prayer earlier. <laughs> it just was like, I kind of hate teaching on it. And the reason being is because we tend to be people of extremes, <laughs> We, we, very rarely do we stand in the middle uh, on, on these issues of tension in the Bible and hold on to both. We typically go one way or the other. Either we move towards legalism, right? And we say, man, if you really want to please God, be loved by God, and head for heaven, you need to do all these things. Check that you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't this, you can't, you got to go to church, you got to do this. I mean, all these, if you don't read your Bible every day, you're going to hell. You know, I mean, like, I mean, it's like either we move towards legalism, which is a total bunch of rules and this and do, 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 and do, do, the, the, whatever, but yeah, I see you middle schoolers in the room. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, just, just kidding, <laughs> get myself in trouble. But like either we focus in on that and the, what's the problem with that? It's not biblical, right? That's not, we don't come into relationship with Jesus because of that. We don't earn our way to heaven. The Bible is abundantly clear. Jesus is abundantly clear. We, we did not find salvation by works. We can't. Right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Right? It's by grace that you have been saved, through faith in Christ, not by works so that no one can boast. Right? It's, so either we choose the legalistic approach or we choose the cheap grace approach over here, which is what we've been talking about. Like, live however you want. It's all good. You know, kind of thing. As long as you kind of believe in Jesus, you can do whatever you want. Right? Kind of thing. It's like, no. I mean, neither one of these approaches is right. Instead, instead the picture that we are given is that Christ has purchased forgiveness for us on the cross. We are saved, we are loved, we are brought back because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, right? That's, that's it, and, and all we can do is receive it by faith and put our faith and trust in Jesus. For those that, for those that do that, that just open up their lives and say, Jesus, would you come and save me? Would you come and rescue me from my sin? Would you come and wash away my sin? Be my God, lead me, I'm following with your help. For those that put their trust in Christ, we are forgiven, period, right? We are made new, period, right? We are brought back home into relationship with God, period, like, period. The stuff that we're talking about today, the obedience piece, is now how do we live our lives from that point forward? How do we live our lives as disciples and as followers of Jesus? And the life of a disciple is meant to be marked by increasing levels of trust and obedience to Jesus. That's part of how we learn to follow. It's part of how we become conformed to the image of Christ. We become more and more and more like Jesus. Listen to this, Martin Luther, these are some great quotes. Uh, he's the great reformer, right? Kind of his, the, the, what I just said earlier, right? We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, right? That's, it. That's like one of his mantras over and over and over again. I love this quote. He says, we're saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ, but not by a faith that is alone. And what he's talking about, he's talking about the relationship between faith and works. He was like, of course we are saved by, by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But that faith always gets played out in the way we live. Because as disciples of Jesus, right, of course he's going to change us. He's going to teach us. He's going to stretch us. He's going to change us. He's going to make us more like him. These are, these are things, actions that are meant to be lived out as we follow and obey Jesus. William Booth, 
says this, faith and work should travel side by side, step answering step, uh, like the legs of a man walking, first faith, then works, first, then faith again, and then works again. He says, until you can scarcely distinguish which uh, is the one and which is the other. Of course, friends, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. So we talked about last week, follow me and obey, right? There's, there's always an action to our faith and the way that it gets lived out, kind of like the left foot and then the right foot and the left foot. Would you, and Jesus calls to us all the time, would you trust me with your finances? <laughs> sometimes it's months or weeks of agony where we're like, I don't know, sometimes years. So we're like, finally, we're like, okay, God, I'll trust you with this. And he says, great. And We'll look in a minute, but I think there's blessing and there's good stuff that often happens in our lives as a result. And then there's a next step. He's like, good, would you trust me with your relationships? And you're like, but God, if I break this off with this person or whatever, we try to, they're going to think I'm crazy. I might be alone forever. I don't know what to do. I don't want to, I'm a lonely person. I need to have, we wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. And finally we'll be like, okay, God, may your will be done. And again, there's, there's blessing and there's, there's life that comes out of that joy. And then he takes the next steps. And would you trust me with this? And we follow. And would you trust me with this? And we follow and follow. I remember, like I said, sometimes it's hard. I remember um, I was talking with somebody about this, a couple people I think this week in our staff meeting. We were talking about this came up somehow and uh, was reminded of a story, a time uh, when I'd been given some inheritance money. This is back up in Wisconsin. We were there maybe 10, 15 years ago, something like that. And I'd been given some inheritance money from my grandparents, and, uh, and Tina said the magic words that said, it was several thousand dollars, she said the magic words that said, you know what, I think you should use this money however you want to. And I'm like, ah, right, light shone from heaven, angels started singing, and, and I, I started thinking about, well, what, what do I want to do with this money, right? And, and suddenly, I, 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 I kind of settled in on something, I said, I'm going to get like a really sweet guitar. Right, this is, a, oh man, how often in my life am I going to have a chance to do this? And so I started going around to all the guitar shops uh, around Green Bay and around Northeast Wisconsin, Appleton, all, all over, and I start sitting down and going into the room and like looking at high-end guitars, look great electronics, stuff that sounds good, you know, stuff that you're just like, oh, this is so good. And, uh, and so, I, I mean, I'm not one to jump into decisions, like big decisions like that lightly, so I'm, I'm making the perfect decision. Finally, I settle on one. There's a guitar. I called her Goldie. <laughs> I'd go in occasionally. I'd snuggle up to her. I'd play her. And the, you know, it's like in the in the the room that's just for high-end acoustics. Not just anybody goes in there. So you're in there playing. I'm plugging it in. She sounds amazing. It's it is the stuff great dreams are made of. And uh, and suddenly everything's going great. And suddenly, God starts messing with me, right? And he starts messing with me big time. And uh, it's one of those deals that, like, at first, I'm like, no, that's clearly not the Lord. <laughs> you know, like, and he, because it's, it's, because what he's saying, what he's saying, well, God's starting to nudge me. He's like, I want you to give it all to the church. The, the church at the time, we were doing some vision stuff for the future. He's like, I want you to, I want you to take 100% of it. Because I'm like, okay, cool, cool, God. I'll take a tithe. I'll take 10% and I'll give it and I'll still get my guitar. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking, right? Like, we, we can work. Let's compromise here a little bit. God, work with me. But, uh, <laughs> but it was not working that way. And it, God just kept every time I'm praying, every time I'm opening his book, you know, you're, you're reading through Acts. It's like, and then some that owned lands and had money brought it and put it at the apostles' feet. I'm like, shut up, God. This is not, no, this is not the plan. I mean, seriously, it was, several weeks of this, I was in agony because like I said, 
I had the perfect thing all figured out. And uh, finally, it, it came down to, and God just made it clear. He's like, look, look this is an obedience issue. Are you going to follow me? Or are you going to go your own way? I'm like, crap. Right? And so uh, I wrote the check. We wrote the check. We gave it uh, to the Lord and just said, fine, God, I mean, we choose you. I, I choose you. And uh, man, it was hard. It was act- and sometimes following Jesus is like that, the end of the story, right? And it doesn't always happen this way. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't, but sometimes it does. The end of the story is within a month, God gave me a guitar. Just, just, it was even better than that one. <laughs> Incredible. Because he's a good God. He's a good father. And because so often the path that he's calling us to, it might be hard. It'll require obedience and sacrifice, but it's better. I mean, it's, just, it's the good stuff. I mentioned this last week, but it says a, a this is Dallas Willard, right? He says, a, a, a disciple is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. <laughs> if Jesus lived in your shoes, in your home, in your neighborhood, if he, if he worked at your workplace, if he had your kids and your spouse and your whatever, it's the process of becoming who he would be if he were you kind of thing. See, that? I, I love that image. I'm like, that's what discipleship is. It's learning to become more and more and more like Jesus. It's learning to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and obey what Christ commanded them. Listen to some of this, a few of these, and then I'll get to application. This is crazy. I just was thinking about so many of these verses. This is straight from the lips of Jesus. Look, Look at the ways he connects these things. If you love me, Jesus says to his followers, you will, what does that say? Obey obey what I've commanded. If you love me, you'll obey, because that's what happens in a love relationship like that. As we make him Lord, as we receive from him, then of course we will respond with obedience. He goes on and says this, uh, John 15, 9 through 11, as the Father has loved me, he says, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And how do you remain in his love? He says this, if you keep my commands. You know what keep means? (laughs) Obey. If you obey my commands, You'll remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Listen to this last sentence. Listen to this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That is not the way we tend to think about obedience. He says, man, I'm telling you these things so that you can obey. And as you learn to obey, my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. Is that typically how we think of obedience to Jesus? He's like, but this is the truth. This is the truth of what it looks like. I'm telling you this so that my joy will be in you. Your joy will be complete. Let's keep going. Next one. This is 1 John. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everybody born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Right? He's like, obedience is not burdensome if you get it right. If you recognize that it is the resurrected Christ who is leading you, it's the Holy Spirit that he has sent to live inside of you, right? He is the one that's leading you. He died for you. That's how much he cares about you. He he died so that you can live. Your Savior, the God of the universe, the one that was present at creation, that spoke the world into existence, he is the one that, he's crazy about you. He's leading you. And when he calls you to, to go, and we respond in faith. It's, it's, it's not burdensome. It's, he wants what's best for you and for the world. He, he's got great plans. Love that. And there's one more, I think. goes on. This is Jesus again. Uh, after he uh, 
washes the disciples' feet, and he's teaching them about, you know, first will be last, last will be for all this stuff, stoop down and serve and this kind of stuff. And this is what he says to his followers when he gets done. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know what you should read when you hear do them? When you obey, when you do it, right? When you actually live this stuff out. Blessing, he says, will come as you obey. And it's true. We see this and we experience this again and again. He's not talking about earning your way to heaven. He's talking about how life is meant to be lived as disciples of Jesus Christ, as dearly loved children of God. It's how life works best. It's not burdensome so that his joy can be in us and our joy can be full. It's not meant to be burdensome. It's simply following and learning to obey our Savior, the one who's crazy about us. Simple. It really is. It's simple. He follows. He calls. He commands. But the choice is yours. Will you obey or not? You read that one more time. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, says you, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We do a couple things of practical application. We'll be done. First, uh, first we'll do the internal part, right? The question is, are you living your life as a disciple of Jesus? Are you, follow, are you learning to follow and obey? Are you learning to trust and obey? As, with Jesus as the leader of your life? If not, man, today is the day, right? It's, it's time for us to bow our heads and our hands to Jesus and say, God, would you forgive me for so often divorcing those two, for so often going my own way and pushing your will away? Instead, would you teach me to walk in the life that you have for me? There's some of us that probably have specific things that come, we start talking about obedience, we probably have specific things that come to mind. <laughs> and stuff that we've been battling and wrestling with. We've, we've, we've been stuck with one foot forward and the other one back. We've been stuck in limbo maybe for months or years or decades. It could be all kinds of, or it could be, be money, relationships, play. It could be all kinds of anger, whatever. It could be all kinds of things that we're wrestling with and we just have been unwilling to say yes. Maybe today the Holy Spirit's just tapping you and saying, you know, it's time. Would you drop your hands, you know, would you just surrender that step and would you just step forward in obedience? It's not burdensome. It leads to life, leads to joy, leads to the good stuff. For some of us, we start talking about obedience and it's like guilt trip city. We have flashbacks of everything wrong and all the ways we screwed up all the way throughout history. Can I just bring us back to the middle one more time and say, man, do not underestimate or forget this is a grace deal. How many of us have blown it on the obedience scale? A hundred percent of us. We are, none of us are worthy. Right? We have come and we have stumbled into new life in Christ only because of Jesus, because, he's, he, because of his sacrifice, because of his goodness, because of him drawing us in to the kingdom. His grace is enough. His forgiveness is more than enough to set you free from the crap of your past, it is done. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you're like, Jesus, I'm yours, I need you. 
I want to follow you. If, if you are a Christ follower, if you are a disciple of Jesus, then your past is done and you are set free to now live your life as a disciple of Jesus, learning step by step, moment by moment, learning to follow and obey. Don't take, don't take that crap with you, that guilt and stuff from the past. Cut it free and move forward with Jesus today. So that's the internal stuff. I'll just say externally, of course, the, the second half is uh, that we're talking about throughout the series is, are we living our lives doing this with other people? The first place that comes to mind for me is in our homes, right? Are we raising disciples, those of us parents? Are we raising disciples in our homes? Are we opening up God's book and teaching, right, teaching the truth and, and modeling and teaching that, yes, it's a faith gig. And we, as followers of Jesus, we learn to obey. In our home, uh, especially as the kids were little and we were so f formational at that point, when they get older, they have to start learning some of the stuff on their own. But especially when they were little, obedience in our home was a big deal, right? It was, it was a big deal. We, it, because, because we recognize what they learn in our home about obedience and disobedience, they will likely carry on in their relationship with God. And so for us in our home, disobedience always came with negative consequences. And I'll say always, and I, of course, I don't think any parent can really say that, but, but like we tried to be consistent as much as we could, man. You disobey, there's consequences. And we talk about it. We wouldn't just ask them to do obedience stuff for everything, like you're annoying me, kid, just you know, do what I say. It's not like that, but especially on the biblical things. And we'd open up God's book and we'd talk about, you know, lying is a big deal. And so there's consequences that are coming because that's an example. But like, you know, like there's stuff like that that you could, as much as we could, we were trying to help them understand the disobedience always had negative consequences. And, and likewise, as we learn to follow and obey Jesus, there's blessing, there's the good stuff that comes with that. Are we doing that with our kids? That's just one example. But like, are we raising up disciples? Is that what, are we giving focused energy? Are we talking about Jesus in our home? Are we praying together? Are we opening up his book? Are we talking about obedience and learning to walk that walk of faith? Are we talking about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and in our home? Right? Is, there, is this a conversation that's happening? If not, friends, this week, would you take some steps? Would you get a Bible for your kids and start, you know, start, start doing that together? Start talking about that more. Start praying together, start whatever, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, uh, the last part, and then I'll be done for the day, but the last part is it's never meant to, I mean, when we're talking about the external, to go and make disciples and teaching them to obey, all that kind of stuff, it's never meant to just stop with us and ours, right, us and our little family. We are sent to the world. So the question is, is on the, first, on the front end, who is there in your sphere around you that doesn't yet know Christ, that isn't yet living as a disciple of Christ? And are you praying for them? Are you reaching out to them? Are you building relationship? Are you sharing about this great Savior named Jesus that has so transformed your life? I want you to be looking for and identifying this week who is there in your sphere that God has put there to help you point them back home to Jesus, to a God that's crazy about him, who died to save him. And then the second piece of that is, and, and I'll make the distinction here, right? Because he says, go and make disciples first, right? Make disciples of Jesus has a little bit more of the evangelistic edge, a little bit more of the, they don't yet know Jesus. First, first order of business is to help them be disciples, right? First, and then teach them to obey, right? This isn't about us as Christ followers trying, expecting and demanding people that aren't yet Christ followers to live like Christ followers. That just doesn't work, right? That, 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 that can't possibly happen. And so the second half of it is, are there Christ followers around you 
that you're being intentional about raising up, that maybe back and forth you're doing some accountability, that you're helping to, to uh, both of you learn to obey and to put this stuff into practice to become full-on disciples of Jesus. I, one of my heroes of the faith kind of is a guy, his name's Ralph Moore. I'm sure you've probably never heard of him, but uh, he's a guy, humble guy, just a real guy, uh, lived in Hawaii for the last 20 years and uh, started more than 1,500 churches in that time period. Crazy. And you want to know how he did it mostly? He had a discipleship plan that was so easy that anybody could do it. He got together once a week with people he was discipling, and he'd ask three questions. And the first question he'd say is, what are you reading in God's book, and how is he speaking to you? Second question is, what are you doing about it? <laughs> Meaning, like, are you obeying? Like, how are you going to put this into practice this week? And thirdly, he'd say, who else needs to know about this? Who, who else is there that you need to pass it? And I love the picture of that, right? Because he's, first of all, he's, it's, it's follow and obey and then make disciples. It's simple. It really is. It's simple. And it's meant to be lived out by each and every one of us. You can do this. If this is something that's stirring in you, I mean, invite somebody else. If you're a guy, invite another guy. If you're a girl, invite another girl and say, why don't we start getting together once a week or once every other week? Let's ask ourselves those, those three questions. It'll keep us in the Word. It'll keep us growing. It'll help keep us learning to obey. And then uh, it'll keep us sharing and reaching out. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, Jesus says, to the very end of the age. Let's close in prayer. Father, that's our cry. That's our heart today. Lord, teach us to be disciples. Teach us to walk uh, the journey of obedience. Lord, as we trust you, as we, as we learn to know you and get to know you more, would you, would you lead us forward, give us courage to step out and to trust you by faith to obey. And then God sent us out from here on mission to help make more and more and more disciples. For this, God, we need your power. We need your presence. We need your grace. We need your transforming work in our lives. Come and have your way. We love you. We need you. We lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to continue our worship now by uh, bringing our offerings and our tithes and that kind of stuff to the Lord. And so if you came here today ready to do that, give to the Lord as part of your worship as well. If you didn't come prepared but you want to still, you can always do online giving on our app and all that.